Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 6. This is Lesson 11. So what we're going to do is pick up where we left off because we did a huge review last week and got very, just, I don't know, not very far at all. Uh, so we're not going to do that again. We were looking at the um, story of the Good Samaritan. This, this whole section, we're in chapter 20 and page 39 in my book. I think it's the same in yours, I'm not sure. So this is the law of loving your neighbor. It began on page 34. And I'll just, what I'll do to get us there is just read out the story to where we are. Uh, so first of all, we're looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, where Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And uh, <clears throat> we were looking at loving your neighbor and what that actually meant. And we got to the place where we were looking at the incident with the, uh, with the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Um, and remember the lawyer, uh, it says a certain lawyer stood up, this is in verse 25, and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 26, he said to him, what is, it, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Verse 27, so he answered and said, You shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. <clears throat> it goes on to say, then he says, But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And so this really is where it begins. Because Jesus begins to answer his question in verse 30. And he says, with the story, a certain man went down to, uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. And it says, Who stripped him of his clothing, I'm on page 38 now, uh, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, passed, he passed him by on the other side. Verse 32. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So we looked at all of these things last time. And then it goes in the same verse 33, and here is the twist in the story. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and... Uh, Remember again that this was, I said to you, this was the worst thing that could happen. So Jesus goes through, you know, first of all, the best thing that could happen, which should be, which should be the best thing that could happen, that was a priest come along. You know, of all people who should care about people that are hurt and injured should be the priest. <laughs> okay? And so that all hope was gone there. Then the, the helper of the priest came along. That was a Levite. He didn't do too well either. Now comes the worst possible case. You know, the, the worst possible thing that can happen to this man is a Samaritan to come down. You know, this is the guy you'd think would beat him up just a little bit more and see if there was anything left of value on him and take that too. Okay? Which is probably what they're thinking. And remember again that uh, we looked at the, the, the fact that the Samaritans and the Jews were not friends. Okay, and we, I, I went back and looked at a situation in, well, I talked about the situation in Nehemiah, uh, you know, when they were rebuilding the walls <coughs> and the temple of Jerusalem. And uh, remember the, the Samaritans offered to help and the Jews refused them. And I said to you before, just because they didn't, just because it's written, doesn't mean it's right. It means that it was factually written, but it doesn't mean that was the right thing they did. And so we have to be really careful, the, the things that we take from the Bible, and we're going to live our life by, amen, and sort of justify our living a certain way, and making certain decisions, that you, you really need to see one thing with the Bible is it tells you everything. 
It tells you what they did, and then it tells you what happened after that. When you go and have a look at what happened after that, it wasn't good. This started a war between them. I don't think that was God's plan. You know, as far as I'm concerned, God came to save the whole world. God so loved the whole world, I'm adding a word in there, okay? (laughs) That He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believed in Him. And in fact, in John chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, But as many as received Him, because it says He came to His own, in verse 11, and His own did not receive Him. So, well, you know, they're all the people that built the wall of Jerusalem and said no to the Samaritans. None of them received him. Yeah, just putting it into context, <laughs> you know. And so <laughs> along comes, you know, the, these, these, this person that as far as they're concerned is the worst possible case, you know, to, to have. And again, you know, we see from what Nehemiah did and the, the result that that had, that was, that, that was a misunderstanding that carried and a, a kind of thinking that carried all the way through to here. So they're looking at this, they're thinking about how much the Samaritans hate them, how much they hate the Samaritans, and all because of something that happened before. And again, like I said, things that we really should look at and learn lessons from, not adapt and do. Amen? Okay, so this is, this is where we left off last week with me saying, and by the time Jesus walked the earth, their relationship was so bad that the believer's study Bible says that Jews normally traveled the long route, crossing over the east side of the Jordan to display their antagonism against the Samaritans. I mean, it was like that. That's why, you know, when Jesus gets to the woman at the well, you know, she says, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. Did you know that? I'm not only a woman, which Jews don't like to talk to women as well. Man, they had a lot of problems, didn't they? But, but also, I'm a Samaritan. Okay, and it was shocking to her. And I really love that story when you look through it. And we were looking at it on Sunday. Oh, maybe you guys haven't got that one yet. Anyway, we, <laughs> I, I, I tape a week ahead. Okay, <laughs> I have to. Okay, uh, but you know, it was beautiful when they came and said, We now know that you are the Savior of the world. And I really love that the Samaritans said that about Jesus. In other words, they were saying, we realize that you didn't just come for the Jews. You came for everyone. Amen? And this whole division between Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles, whatever, was all gone. Hallelujah. And praise God for that. Alright, so, <clears throat> of course, Jesus was well aware of all this again, the, the conflict between them, when he was telling this parable, and knew what the people would be thinking as soon as he mentioned the word Samaritan. So again... Let's go, let's go back to that. We have Jesus saying again in Luke 10.33, But a certain Samaritan, I'm on page 40 in my book now, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he, that's the Jew, was, and he saw, uh, when he saw him, unlike the priest and the Levite I've said here, he had compassion. This was an astonishing twist to the story. Here, this enemy of the Jew actually having compassion on this man without any hesitation at all. In fact, the literal text actually says, his heart went out to him. I think that is so key in all of this. It wasn't just that he looked in and thought, no, well, I better do something about this guy because, you know, <laughs> I can't leave it like this. I'll probably feel bad later. <laughs> you know? can, can I just be honest? All right, Because sometimes we think more about ourselves. And how we're going to regret if we don't do something? I'm just saying, okay, I'm just calling it as it is, alright? Some days we sort of think, will we be able to live with ourselves? So we do it. But that's not what this tells us. This tells us that this guy actually had compassion on him. His heart went out to him. I think that is significant. I think, remember again that God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver describes a person that does things from their heart. Amen? Not out of obligation of necessity, 
they do things from their heart. And so this, this man falls into that category. And I think that's what's so significant about this. And then Jesus continues in verse 35 by saying, So he went to him and, uh, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Now Leon Morris says that wine should have been used for cleaning the wounds, or would have been used for cleaning the wounds. The alcohol in it would have had an, an uh, antiseptic effect uh, though, of course, the man could not know that. He only knew that it helped. <laughs> okay? Oil, that is olive oil, would have eased the pain. The two appear to have been widely used by both Jews and Greeks. Verse 34 goes on to say, And he set him on his own animal. I really like the way Jesus is telling this story. He didn't say he set him on his animal. He said it, he said it in this way. He set him on his own animal. In other words, this was his own method of transport, and he was willing to give up his own method of transport for, the, for this guy. Do you know what I'm trying to say? There was, there was something more personal about this, and I really need you to see all of this. And brought him to an inn, and took care of him. In other words, the Samaritan walked all the way to the inn. That's significant. Which was not only exhausting, remember the terrain was rocky and mountainous, all right, but dangerous as well, since he, had, he no longer had his donkey to rely on, and he could easily fall prey to the thieves himself. Now see, he put himself in danger doing this as well. Amen. And remember this guy, he's a traveling businessman. We're going to find out when he gets to the inn, he's going to say, if this guy needs more money later, I'll come back. So he obviously had some money on him. Which would have been another reason why he could have thought to himself, you know, <clears throat> I really don't want to stop here and, and, and put myself in this kind of danger, because if they get to me, they'll get all of I own as well. There'll be two of us dead on this. You know, it's funny how we, uh, how can I say, I'm thinking of the word logic, how we reason ourselves out of doing certain things, you know, and we sort of come up with an idea that says, well, you know, it's best if I do this, and it actually isn't. Okay, just saying. All right. And once there, instead of just handing him over to the innkeeper and ending his responsibility like most would have done, he personally takes him to his room and decides to take care of him. I think that is also very significant. This man is really putting himself out. Because Jesus was asked the question by this lawyer, and let me just take you back to this, by this lawyer saying, who is my neighbor? Jesus is answering not who is my neighbor, but who are you being neighbor to? <laughs> he's kind of twisted it and started to send the story off in another direction. In other words, he's saying, you're asking me about who you should help. I'm asking you, who have you helped lately? Amen. So anyway, that's the reason why he's giving all of these details. He's giving, you know, he's sort of showing this man, this is the attitude. It's not about who is your neighbor. This is the attitude that you are to show when somebody has a need. And that's anybody. <laughs> okay? That's why he picked a Samaritan and a Jew. He picked people that were not friends. And he said, this, if this, you understand, he's saying, if, this is the, if I'm telling you this story about people that are enemies, what do you do with everybody else? I mean, that's, that's as far as you can go, is, is do I help my enemy? You know what I'm trying to say? All right. William Hendrickson writes, the next day arrives, the Samaritan, uh, uh, he says, was he a businessman perhaps? must be on his way. Now, uh, even now, however, he does not say, I have done my full duty. From here on, it's up to the innkeeper and the man himself. No, the text continues with Jesus saying in verse 35, on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii. Now this, uh, uh, like I said, I've said here, equ equates to about 
two days' wages, all right, and would have secured the room for several days. Right? That's a lot of money, in other words, okay? Uh, and it says, and gave, uh, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. He is saying, Listen, to the person that would be considered his enemy, I'll pay you to look after him, and if you need more, I'll come back and give that to you as well. I, you know, this is extraordinary. Because people are very, how can I put this, hesitant to part with their finance. Can, can we just be honest here? Okay. So, we're not talking about giving to a church. We're talking about, okay, a person that you don't like. Somebody that you hate. Somebody that you, the, the last person you want to help on earth. Okay, kind of a thing. And the kind of attitude that this man has towards that individual. This is, this is incredible. Okay. So, with that, <laughs> uh, did I go through? Um, so, notice again something extraordinary here. The Samaritan actually pays the innkeeper to look after the Jew in his absence and promises him that he will not only return to take care of his, this man, but will pay the innkeeper for any further debt incurred as well. With that, Jesus now turns to the lawyer and asks him the question, in, this is in Luke 10.36, So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Did you notice the question? He said, which of these three was neighbor? Remember he said, who is my neighbor? He's asking him a question, which one acted like a neighbor? There's a slight, you know, there's, it's very slight, but it's there. Okay? And, and I said here, what's interesting to note here is that Jesus is actually saying to the lawyer, you ask me who is my neighbor, I've shown you that that's the wrong question. The right question is actually, am I being a neighbor to the people around me? Therefore, in the words of John MacArthur, Jesus makes it clear that each has a responsibility to be a neighbor, especially to those who are in need. Amen? Amen. Okay. See, let me just stop for a second. What we need to understand is that whatever we sow, we reap. Here's the key. It's not about, do we sow? The question is, are you sowing? That's the question. It's not, you know, we, we're always asking, should we? The, Jesus is always saying, are you? <laughs> Do you see the difference? Well, we're asking, should we? You know, who should we be neighbor to? You know, where should we sow? Jesus is saying, are you sowing? Are you being a neighbor? He's going, let's not even ask the question, are you doing it? Amen? And so, so the, recognize, the lawyer recognizes this and answered Jesus with verse 37 saying, And he said, He who showed mercy unto him, or on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So he's saying, Listen, that's what you need to do. Amen? Stop asking who is your neighbor. Just do that. Be that to other people. In the literal text, it actually says, Jesus said to him, Go and keep on doing likewise. Meaning that the manner of life should from now on be yours. Did you get that? Amen? Okay. Hallelujah. The law of loving your enemies. Boy, that was hard enough. Here we go. (laughs) Okay? It kind of covered that, didn't it? It did actually show you two people that were enemies. And and anyway, so now that we have some understanding of what it means to love your neighbor, okay, because that was where we were coming from, let's continue on in Matthew chapter 5, read verses 43 and 44, where Jesus says again, 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. This is, this is like hard, man. I mean, okay. I, can I admit, that's hard for me. Okay, all right. <laughs> it's almost identical to Luke's parallel account, Luke 6.27, where Jesus says, But I say to you uh, who hear, love your enemies. Now, do you all understand, again, that Luke's account was written to Gentiles? Matthew's account was written to Jews? And I want you to notice the way that Matthew, uh, Luke um, phrases this. Notice he says, I say to you who hear, because not everybody hears. You know, somebody, some people would just turn a deaf, quote-unquote, ear to this and go, oh, forget that. <laughs> okay? I don't want to listen to this sermon. This is not a happy sermon. Let's go on to the next one. <laughs> okay? So, he's really saying, I, I love this, the way they do this. Matthew says, you all know better. Luke says, I get it. You guys haven't had, you know, gospel and stuff. So, for those that are happy to hear this, willing to listen, would be the way we say it. Okay, for those willing to listen, let me tell you. Okay, he says, love your enemies. Notice that Jesus didn't object to loving your neighbor, because there was nothing wrong with that, and why he's, we spent so much time looking at it, okay? However, he did object to what was added at the end. Remember I told you that they added stuff to what was actually said, because this was never in the law. It never said, love your, you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. Never said that, but the Jews interpreted certain things that happened in the Old Testament and added this to it. That's why, you know, they always say, be careful what you add to the word, amen? Because, you know, uh, whatever you start to add, no matter how much you think you're helping God, you're actually taking away from something at the end of the day. Amen. And it shows that you haven't really received the proper revelation on what there is if you start to add to it. I have, I'm still amazed at the revelations that I get over things that I thought I knew. <clears throat> amazed. And in fact, you know, one of the things that God's getting me to do uh, currently is put together all the scriptures that I had, uh, you know, at one point in time or another, uh, memorized or had an impact on my life. And so I'm just creating, Pastor Emily's going, well, how many pages is it up to now? <laughs> she wants to print it all out for her. But, uh, you know, these were things that were important to me. Things that really shaped my life, shaped my thinking. Um, and it, I found that I was starting to forget them. It's interesting because, uh, you know, if you don't go back over them constantly, you start to forget. It's a thing. Amen? And so I, I just sort of thought, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose my foundations. Hello? Okay? I want to, you know, rebuild some of those foundations. And so in doing that, I began to realize there's so much in everything, um, you know, in the Word of God. And it's just inexhaustible, man. I mean, the more you look at it, the more you sort of see in it. And uh, so, but that's the thing. If you don't do that, then you start to add things. If you, don't, if you don't get a full revelation of what's in front of you, you do what the Jews are doing and starting adding to it. Because you're thinking, well, you know, that doesn't say this. What about this? No, it actually did. You missed it. Are you here? Because had they seen that you should love your neighbor, they would have then decided that that means everybody. Because God didn't mention enemies. Maybe I shouldn't have any enemies. Do you get this? Amen. Okay, just a little insight there for you. Alright, let's get back to this. This would have start, uh, startled all of his followers because they would have never heard anything like that before. Not from the rabbis anyway, okay? Uh, and it says, where was I? Uh, at least not said so. Succinctly, positively, and forcefully. Nobody, if, if they mentioned it, it would have been, yeah, you know, maybe you should do right by the people that don't like you. Might have been as much as you get. 
It was never like this. It was never succinct. It was never forceful. It was never Jesus like the way. See, that's a, something else that it said in the, in the Gospels that his word was with power. When he preached, he didn't teach you some little wimpy message. He would speak and it would hit you. It would just be right between the eyes. And he'd say, see, you know what I'm telling you? Do it. Don't decide. Just do it. You know, like the Nike ad. Is that the Nike ad? Okay, <laughs> just do it. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, well, I'm going to watch my time. All right. In fact, William Hendrickson says that after thoroughly researching all the relevant sources, the conclusion remains that the first one who has taught mankind to see the neighbor in every human being and therefore to encounter every human being in love was Jesus. Did you get that? Okay. Showed the point I was trying to make as well. That you see everybody as your neighbor. There was no such thing as an enemy. Get it? So what was added was wrong. Alright. So once again it must be remembered <clears throat> that what Jesus was teaching was primarily aimed at the individual and therefore was all about personal conduct. It was never intended to be applied nationally or socially. Meaning that the uh, military and police are God's will. So... Okay, let me just clarify that very quickly. This is talking about you personally. You shouldn't have enemies. Now, there are enemies to your country, enemies to the borders, enemies, you know, people that are wanting to do this country harm or the country living in harm. And so the, the military, the police are there to stop people that have wrong intentions, bad intentions toward you. They'll look after that side of things. Amen? So it's sort of saying, listen, you can't go and apply this. And you know, you've got these conscientious objectors, you know, kind of people that sort of go, well, we just need to lay back and everybody walk all over us and whatever whatever hey man a lot of the freedoms that were bought were paid with somebody else's life so don't you then suddenly get all self-righteous you know what i'm trying to say okay now yeah you need to be careful and, and there are lines and so on and so forth but i don't want to go down that road i just want to say that there is a place for the police and thank god they're there amen i mean you know if if they weren't there people would be breaking into your house they'd be stealing everything you wouldn't be you wouldn't live there you wouldn't be able to. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because there's some people out there, they're very bad. All they do is think about themselves. Amen. You know, it's all about selfishness, isn't it, at the end of the day? And so, you know, th there's a purpose for them. There's a reason for their being there. Amen. So that's what this is saying. We can't go and apply this to that. Amen. Okay. I could go further, but that's enough, I think. All right. So returning to Matthew 5.44. Um, let's look at it a bit more closely. Jesus says, But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Boy, I tell you, watch this, man. That's really hard. One thing to love them, but to bless them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about that in a second, all right? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. All right. Boy, that's a mouthful. This single verse parallels Luke chapter 6 and 2 verses, verses 27-28, where it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Note that the order is a little different, even though it's basically the same, except for the fact that while the latter half of Luke 20, uh, 6.28 says, pray for those who spitefully use you, the latter half of Matthew 5.44 adds, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. 
<laughs> okay? Because the Jews were really into persecuting, you know, like getting persecuted. So it was sort of, again, like I said, they're, they're, they're writing to the audience, amen, and the things that are relevant to them. So once again, we'll be looking at this again from Matthew's Gospel, especially since it has a little more detail. Uh, first of all, in Matthew 5.44, as in Luke, uh, Luke 6.27-28, uh, we find Jesus actually clarifying what he meant with him giving us actual specifics about how we are to love our enemies. Interestingly, the Greek word for love here is actually the word that describes not friendship love, okay, but the God kind of love. Now this is a real key thing. This isn't a friendship love, because friendship love is based on you know, um, mutual love, okay? It's, um, I do something good for you, you do something good for me. You know, we're friends, okay? And so we look after each other, kind of a thing. Whereas agape love, which is why the King James translates it oftentimes charity, is a love that doesn't expect anything in return. So you do something without expecting something back. And if you do something and don't get anything back and get upset, we know you didn't do it in the right way. <laughs> no, okay, no. We'll, we'll still counsel you and bless you, but okay, but you know. But you need to, you, there are some people, family, l- listen. Let me, let me take a minute here. You need to be a good judge of character. Okay? You need to know if a person is the type of person that you can be friends with, or the type of person that may take advantage of you. Okay? I know people say, don't judge people. I'm telling you, you need to judge them. <laughs> right? The reason is to keep yourself safe, and to keep yourself in a place where you can walk in God's blessing without you know, somebody getting in the way of that and causing you grief while you were trying to do the right thing and then they did the wrong thing by you and all of that stuff happens. Okay, so what I'm saying to you is judge things. Whenever I meet with people, whenever I talk with people, I do that. I'm sorry, I, I do it with everybody, okay? Uh, you are all friends, okay? All right, I, uh, more than that. Uh, but I, I look at people and I think, where are you coming from? Where are you at? You know, you may be nice to me and everything, uh, but I need to go a little further, a little deeper, and see where you're actually at. Because I need to, if, if you are a person that I deem as, you know, somebody that might take advantage of me, or ask things, or just, just do, won't do the right thing, I will put a bit of distance between me and you. Again, I'm not talking to you, but you're in front of say, I will do that on the inside. I'll be pleasant to you, I'll be nice to you, I'll pray for you, I'll pray with you, I'll do whatever, but there'll be a distance between us. You won't, you know, and, and that's something you really need to watch for, okay? Because in order to walk in the God kind of love, you need, and, and say, see, the thing with friends is you get both. Okay? As, as friends, I will, I will not only help you from a friendship side, but I will also help you. You don't get anything less. You also get that God help, where you, know, you, sort of, you might promise that you want to help me out, and I'll know it's genuine. I know it won't be just something you want to say to get something out of me. And so if you don't do it, as far as I'm concerned, God blessed you for offering because it was genuine. As opposed to somebody that might say, well, yes, pastor, you know, I won't forget you. I'll come and do this. I'll come and do this and I'll never see you again. And then I just think, now see, I'm, I'm sinning now. <laughs> okay? But because I put that distance there and I thought, okay, sure, you're saying this. Let's see. And I, didn't, I don't say let's see and kind of like, oh, let's see. It's kind of like, well, we'll see. If, if it happens, I'll know. If it doesn't, won't hurt me because I didn't put myself out there to be hurt. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> right. 
Do I have time? Ooh, I don't have time to move on. All right, what we might need to do is stop there for the moment, take a little break, and we'll come back after. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, as soon as you guys are ready, because this is going.